Welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast, keeping you in tune with the online private markets and empowering everyone to become a venture capitalist. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, King's Crowd CMO, and joining me is Andy Gordon, co-founder of financial newsletter publisher, Early Investing. A lifelong student of business and entrepreneurship, Andy studied at the London School of Economics. After graduating, Andy worked with the U.S. Department of Commerce, the CIA, and a K Street firm that monitored World Bank activities. He went on to consult on a series of global projects, including infrastructure in Indonesia, developing firefighting technology in China, optimizing oil tanker production off the coast of Sumatra, port development in Russia, and power plant technology upgrades in Taiwan. After returning to the U.S., he worked at Dow Chemical, Lockheed Martin, Bethlehem Steel, all helping them all to increase global sales. He also recruited to work under the governor of Maryland in global trade and investment initiatives. From there, he joined a global investment advisory service based in Florida and then became the co-founder of Early Investing. There, he provides guidance to accredited investors, retail investors, and crowdfunders. Andy, welcome to the show. It's great to see you again. Well, thank you, Sean. Good to be here. You bet. Um, so that's quite a rap sheet you got there. Very global. And your kitchen, man, that is... You got something from every country right there behind you. Oh, gosh. I've been to a, a few dozen countries, um, the vast majority on business. Yeah. Uh, I, I can tell. I Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for the people that are listening, they can't see the video on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Can you name three of the items behind you on the wall? You got like a, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. So uh, can I get up in and yeah, go for uh, it. show you things? Yeah. Uh, so this is an African mask. Love it. Uh, I think, you know, we went through Namibia, Zambia, Zaire. Um, I forget exactly which uh, country, but if I had to guess, I would guess Namibia for, for this one. Uh, so up there is a couple of Mexican things. Um, this, is, um, this is a state of Vermont piece of art, um, ah. just on the Canadian border. This is as, as north as you can go in, in the U.S. virtually. Uh, we really right. like this. Um, happy is he who hath the power to gather wisdom from a flower. Now, that's, you know. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. This is a bit of a Americana as well as this is. So we have a little bit of uh, everything. I'm not sure what this is. I think this is, uh, I think this is Mexican, if I had a guess. So, um, you know, and uh, <laughs> what we don't have here and what we have uh, uh, just littered around uh, a, a lot of our walls is a lot of Asian art because uh, I spent a, a good decade doing business and trade and, and project development and project financing in Southeast Asia. So, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, uh, that's a really good tease that we're going to get to a little bit later. Um, but uh, that, for those of you who are curious, that is how he made his first million, which we'll be talking about. Um, but uh, so you're a bit of a rarity in our markets because you've basically been involved since the beginning. Um, right before we went on air, I actually found the first early investing podcast from 2014 on YouTube. And correct me if I'm wrong, like you couldn't really invest in these things till 2016. So that's the very beginning. Um, yeah, or you could say pre-beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's like in, in the beginning there was darkness and then Andy yeah. said, let there be light. Um, like but that. bottom line, the reason I have you on today is because you, if anybody knows where we've been and where we're likely to go, it's you. 
So thank you again for joining us. Um, before we get into all this stuff, what do you make of all this GameStop craziness going on on Wall Street? Like this is, well, I've only really read about stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely wild. Um, people have made not millions of dollars from this, but tens of millions of dollars from this, from, from manipulating the market in a very sort of open public uh, uh, way, sort of like give, giving the, you know, Wall Street the finger kind of way, it's which like, I find fascinating. It's like the French Revolution, but with money or something. It's really, really weird. And these guys like, I don't know if you read the Wall Street Bets uh, Reddit channel, but they don't even care about the money half of them. They're like, we got to stick it to the man and this is our chance and all that. And it's- Well, they get to have their cake and eat it too. They get to stick it to the man (laughs) and have their cake. And what a rich cake that is uh, because, you know, people who have, who made very, very early on on an investment of of around 40 or uh, $50,000, you know, sort of kid, head pocket if they want 40 or 50 million dollars. Of course, the trick is, Sean, when do you cash out? Especially, you know, if there's really no history of doing this, it's not, you can't look at a chart and, and, and figure out, uh, you know, when is the best time to, when is it going to be peaking? When it, This is just pure craziness, you know, pure bubble activity in, um, you know, if I were, you know, one of the one of the uh, these uh, investors uh, that uh, have who have made ten mil, five mil, ten mil, fifteen, whatever, I'd I'd be cashing out in in, in ca- cashing out that check right away. I, uh, you know, what I think it is. I think it's like the Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Um, so, uh, so bring it back around to, uh, yeah, oh man, it, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, what I read about the, the, the silver squeeze that happened with the Hunt brothers in the okay. 70s, like silver no. went from like two bucks or something to like 50. And a lot of smart people, like they, they saw there was a spine of man, something, something, and they rated it to 10, but some people took it way further and it just, once you leave Earth, you lose gravity. Like yeah, it's... you know, it's not that far. You know, you know, you know, those were two guys, two brothers who figured out how to corner the market. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a, a smallish group. Yeah, how many are there? Uh, active investors, you know, I know there's a lot of people who so there's that subreddit page, but yeah. I mean, half of them probably joined in the last month, but yeah. there's a few million too. I think it's 4 million on the Wall Street Bets Reddit channel. But I mean, I think you you, you said recently, like probably only 20% of any real money yeah. to throw in at this stuff. So yeah. you're down to 800,000. And then how many of them are actually putting up serious money? I don't know, but it's yeah, I don't somewhere. know. I think the vast majority put, put up anywhere between uh, one and 10,000. But I think you have uh, 50 to 100 that put up uh, anywhere between 25 and 50,000. So uh, I don't know if those numbers add up to, <laughs> to uh, what, uh, what they needed to move the market, but they did, they, you know, the funny thing about it is that market manipulation is nothing new, right? You just mentioned, you know, what the, uh, 
uh, what the, uh, are these the Cook brothers or, or the Hunt brothers? I keep getting- They're the, the Hunt brothers. The yeah. Hunt brothers. The Cook brothers are another interesting duo, but these are the yeah. Hunt brothers, right? Um, but this happens all the time. And, and you know, what, what fries me is that, you know, these kind of things, they happen, they happen periodically. And then people have the gall to point at Bitcoin and say, no, Bitcoin, we should, um, we should ban Bitcoin because it's open to manipulation. It's completely a manipulated market. Really? Everything kind of is, if you think about Everything it. Everything is, <laughs> of course. You don't think that the market is being manipulated every single minute of every single day? Uh, and people are making Crazy. lots of money uh, off of it? Nature of Did the you see stuff like this, um, flipping it around, do you see market manipulation or just interventions like this in your experiences abroad, like in Malaysia or anywhere else? Because you, you did well off of government action. Like that was your, your, your recent piece, I Made My First Million. Yeah, um, it, it was less about the market and more about manipulating government contracts and you know, things like yeah, that. There was a legitimate problem. about that. Yeah. Yeah, because what, just for our listeners real quick, just like, what was the problem in Malaysia? They, there was a bunch of oil in the ground, basically, and they needed to not have it dusting up and everything. Right, this was uh, Indonesia. And of course, Indonesia is a huge oil producing uh, country. Used to uh, be a major oil exporting uh, country. Now, it, it uh, imports a little more oil uh, than it exports, but it's still a, a huge uh, earner of hard, hard currency from oil because it, uh, it's very clever. Uh, it sells its high grade crude instead of using it domestically and it imports low grade crude. So even though it imports more wow. than exports, it makes a lot of money from, from oil. So they, yeah. they have decent refining then, obviously. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of drib a lot of drilling, a lot of refining. And uh, this takes place all over Indonesia, which is an archipelago. You know, it's a country made up of 13,000 islands. And, uh, but a lot of the drilling uh, comes from Sumatra. Uh, and, um, you know, this country is on, the, um, is on the equator. So it doesn't have our four seasons, it has a dry season and a wet season. In the dry season, there's no rain for a half a year, literally no rain, right? Yeah. And lots of sun and hot sun, it's on the equator. Uh, so these uh, uh, roads in, uh, in Sumatra, you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of paved roads, but you have a lot of dirt roads, right? It's a, uh, yeah. uh, I, I know it's, I, I, I was driving on roads in Sumatra that cut through jungles that uh, that were less than 10 years old. I mean, this island was just overrun by jungle as recently as, uh, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago. Um, so anyway, uh, particularly on the land controlled by these major oil drillers like Caltex and, and others, uh, they did a They're not gonna develop that. They're not gonna There's no way, them. why would you? So they're, they're dirt roads and, 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 and during the dry season, they just became dust poles, just became dust poles. And, you know, impossible to travel on. And, you know, people, people sort of um, use these roads and they built their houses or shacks uh, on, the, uh, on the side of these roads because, you know, they could cater them to the traffic. So um, 
it was up to these, um, they weren't publicly maintained. They were sort of, uh, it was up to the oil companies to maintain these roads. And the easiest way for them to do it was that to sounds take like their a own crew, <laughs> yeah, take their own crew, put it in a spray truck, you know, and just go out and spray, <clears throat> you know, you know, a, 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 oil a on the ground. Yeah, they, they spray it on the ground and they do this Damn. once every couple of weeks. And they've done this for a couple of decades. And I'm looking and, at photos of this right now. This is yeah, unreal. The oil, you know, it's see, every year. It's what does that do to the cars? Like the what? wheel. What does that do to the wheels on the trucks? Like what? That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So eventually yeah. the oil seeped, you know, seeped down into the water table or was about to seep down into the water table. It, 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 it contaminate the entire water supply of Sumatra. At that point, the Indonesian government said, okay, no mass. Okay, so they Finally. in this practice, what are these? Uh, and so they began to uh, spray these roads with water. You know, uh, it, and they quickly Salt figured water? out- Like where are they getting all this water? It's the dry season. It's the dry season. So that's the one thing. Water it was a precious commodity, and it, it, it sort of kept the roads, you know, dust-free for a day and a half, right? <laughs> then they had, a, then they had the-, the, the Then the noon uh, sun rolls around and you're done and you got to do it again. <laughs> no solution whatsoever. So I happen to have a, an American-made product, all natural. Um, I could tell you the recipe is still, uh, sort of um you and your wife make it in your kitchen don't you we made, <laughs> it was made yeah it was made uh in a town near las vegas so uh okay uh, that, that makes out. sense desert that worked right. out, uh, for us so uh anyway yeah so you opened up a business to bring that chemical and you sold it to the government or the oil companies well uh we you know we could have done very well just selling it but we did not just sell it we provided the entire service of coming in there with road equipment, with road. Oh man. So we, uh, yes, so we, using this product. So it was, um, it was a road reconstruction um, service that we provided to the oil company. So we made, we would have made very good money just selling it. We made three times the money by integrating it into a service. Got we it. that service. Got it. And, you know, all these companies, I said, this was the, you know, this was the magic bullet that they needed. Um, right. And it was great. It was absolutely uh, fantastic for several years. And then what, you know, what happened is nature of the beast, you know, when you do business and in, de in developing countries and countries like Indonesia, Indonesia is, is it alone in this respect? Um, <clears throat> uh, local uh, companies began to make knockoffs. Um, and they used their connections and they used bribes. To get Walmart these brand Coca Cola. That we were yeah. getting. And you know what? These pro the product didn't work. So, Man. So eventually, the technology, everybody assumed that. That the technology doesn't work. So eventually, even we couldn't. You know, we we had the we had a product that actually worked, but eventually, the local companies just ruined the whole business for us. Game um, over. What do they do now? Like with these roads, they're still drilling oil. Like, what do you know? What they're Indonesia drilling is now? oil and um, the you deal with it? I, I don't know. 
I haven't I, been to Indonesia for the past 10 years. So I haven't really kept up. Uh, uh, road trip. Yeah, could be. Really investing road yeah, trip, yeah. yeah. I, I need to get back to Bali. I, I think it's about that time. Yeah. Um, so obviously that taught you a bunch of lessons about entrepreneurship and competition and all stuff. Um, what uh, do you think about that experience whenever you're looking at a startup? Because you look at, I mean, we're getting in this market, 25 new startups a week now hitting the, uh, there's probably 60 plus platforms, I think. Um, do you, how religious are you about a competitive advantage or just some sort of reason why you won't get your success taken away if a, a startup works? Yeah, well, I learned uh, a lot about fair and unfair competitive advantages. Uh, while doing business in uh, Asia. And I learned that um, unfair competitive, and it's not necessarily unfair, you know, it could be as simple as a company has on its board of directors, a general, or almost just as good, the son of the general, right? Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and of course this happens, uh, uh, you know, contacts is the name of the game. In, in right. everywhere, but I think more so in, in developing countries, it just is. And so I learned about a, a lot about um, competitive advantages, fair and unfair, and, and not, not necessarily something that is obvious. Uh, and, and also because, I don't know, it's the nature of the beast with uh, companies in Asia. There's, you know, there's legit ones and there's ones that you know, try to pull, you know, the, uh, the wool over, you know, people's eyes, customers, partners, whatever, um, you know, they exist on paper and maybe they operate out of, you know, a phone booth or whatever, the everything, you know, yeah. everything goes in Asia, everything goes. So you really have to, you know, you really have to put on your uh, detective's uh, cap and you really have to be sort of a skeptic and you have to just, just dig into everything because you can't trust anything that that you see with the naked eye. And what better training is there than that? For startup investing, I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was your, um, okay, so this, you've been doing this a little bit. Uh, the, the Jobs Act was uh, passed in 2012, really got going in 2016. That podcast I found of you talking about the stuff was from 2014. Um, what was your first big, I don't want to say home run, but like what was your first successful investment with early investing and what, why did you like it? Yeah, okay. So um, there was a company that, um, that uh, I added to our startup uh, portfolio. It was either in uh, 2014 or uh, 2015. Uh, so uh, this was, you know, this was not a crowdfunding. I don't think it, it was the, even in A plus, I believe it was a 506C. So it oh, was wow. available to accredited investors. In right, yeah. This is what I did, you know, um, between 2014 and, and, and 2015, you know, before they came out with the uh, enabling regulations that I'm talking about the SEC came, uh, issued the enabling regulations for regulation. Uh, we, yeah. did, we did startups, we focus on startups for accredited investors. Um, so this was sort of, you know, pre pre crowdfunding, but very, you know, close cousin to uh, crowdfunding. For sure. And um, so there was a robotics company uh, at the time that uh, that uh, had um, 
a, a few prototypes and a, a few of their robots in the field, and there are security robots. Now, you know, security robots- you gotta pick a niche, right? Whenever you got yeah, a new product, yeah, you kinda gotta new, pick a niche. Yeah. And in security robots, you think, well, robots is just a future industry. It's, it's sort of a wild idea even now. You don't see robots, you, you, you know, every day. Everybody says uh, they're Yeah. So back, I, in yeah, back in 2014, it was really, it was considered sort of just wild, you know, to be investing in uh, robotics. Well, the name of this company was Nightscope. And it made security robots that yeah. balls could hire and... And jurisdictions, you know, uh, could hire, you know, and put on a street corner and, and, and whatever. It was very, very early on. They didn't have much traction. Their valuation was uh, $15 million. The founder and CEO of the company, William Santana Lee, a very sharp guy, um, you know, uh, he did, you know, he had been working on, you know, on, on, on these robots for a few years. So, you know, kudos to him. He, 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 they did a lot of things they saved. You know, these robots, they don't take coffee breaks. You know, they don't go on strike. You know, they operate 24-7. Uh, so it struck me as, yeah, you know, robotics, it's a, it's a bit of a bet. Um, You've seen the movie RoboCop, so that's there. Yeah, there you go. That's what we're thinking of here, Sean, exactly. So, uh, uh, this was um, so. This was a fifteen million dollar valuation at the time. You know what they're worth now? Six fifty. They're uh, they go for four hundred. Uh, their valuation is ah. four hundred forty-seven million. So very yeah. yeah. That's a thirty x thirty times. Thirty x yeah. yeah. So that's not bad. And and this is and they got a new raise game. going on right now, right? Let me yeah. See here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Really, very, it's, very it's cool. going to double and, and, and could triple. So this is, you know, I, for for uh, my, the, the the people who who invested back then, following my recommendations. If you're listening to this podcast, don't sell now. You know, keep your uh, yeah, keep your shares. Yeah, so you, uh, much better. So that that, that was a decent uh, investment opportunity. A little bit. Um, yeah. And for our listeners that are curious, they're currently got another raise uh, going on on uh, Start Engine right now. Um, yeah. $447 million valuation. Um, wow. Prefer this is a preferred offering equity and offering max $25 million on us. Wow. Yeah. This could be, this is a small cap on the NASDAQ, man. $450 million? Like that's, and it's pre IPO still. Yeah, it's pretty IPO. Yeah, that's half a billion dollars. That's not uh, that's not change. Not change. And uh, the thing is, robotics is uh, the valuations on robotics is uh, it, it's it's it, it tends to be bigger than uh, other startups. So to get to get into a robotics company at fifteen mil is just amazing because now you see these very early stage robotics, you know seed, even pre-seed, and, and, and they're usually anywhere between, um, you know, 25 and, and 50 mil, even at, at this early stage. But this was back, you know, when um, startup investing, uh, crowdfunding was just beginning, even before it, it was be, uh, beginning, and, and uh, valuations um, were, uh, there was more, I would say, variance, uh, which was great because you know, the discovery process could really pay off if you really looked for 
uh, favorably priced startups that had a shot to hit it big like this one. It was a, it was one methodology I, I employed is, you know, go bargain hunting because there were bargains, less, fewer bargains now because it's a little more established. Um, and um, there are uh, methodologies that you use to arrive at valuations. But uh, back then it was uh, a little more of, of the wild west, how, how companies arrived at their valuations. For sure. So, um... When you, how much time do you spend per week looking at companies versus writing? Because you're obviously a pro prolific writer. I checked early investing's website before we went on air. It's half you. <laughs> so a little bit of a plug there. But you, do you, would you say you look at every, every company that comes out, even at least at a glance, and then you kind of sift from there? Yeah, that's what, that's the trick is, um, is um, you look at, I look at every one at a glance, um, but I can't, I can't go down the rabbit hole with everyone that, you know, there's not enough hours in the week. So, so. Um, well, that's where your experience comes to. That's right. So, Obviously. yeah, and you know, this, this comes from the Silicon, um, uh, uh, Silicon Valley world, really, you know, the really experienced uh, venture capitalists you know, they like to say that, you know, I can listen to a founder and within two minutes, I know whether I'm interested yeah. in it or not. And, you know, back Shark, up, shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I used to take that with a, a grain of salt, right? It says, you know, how do right. you that in two minutes? But you know what? It's really true. Because right. I, I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I knock off, um, I would say, 50% um, of them you know, they go away right away. I just don't spend any time yeah. but the initial glance because yeah. I know, I just know, I, I you know. Right. I, you got I, an experienced team, you got a cool product, you got a patent, you know, it yeah. starts to get interesting. How did Nightscope do that first raise? Because all these platforms like Seed Invest, Start Engine, like they weren't around back then to any effect really. Like how, do you remember? I was wondering whether uh, you were going to ask me that and um you just call up the company and say i want to give you money <laughs> no 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 um i believe i can't say for sure um but i believe i got it from AngelList. okay man yeah. so they it, you could you invested through AngelList. like where were the shares like if i had done what you recommended back then um yeah like they would um you would go into angelus and you would find uh you would have the you would find out the information uh, on their wow. way how, how, how to invest wow you still check them out too every day oh, I, I check them out often yeah i check them out often it's sort of so it's still uh you, you know the websites like a angel uh angel uh, yeah, are very interesting you know, they are, um, I wish I could recommend some of them uh, or, or recommend them to my uh, members. And one of these days, maybe I'll get back into five or six C's, which are, are, are for a- So most of, the, yeah. most of the companies on AngelList are a little bit bigger. Like they're- Well, bigger, more, more, more advanced, you know, um, they're, right, not, yeah. um, they're not C's or even a series A, they tend to be series uh, uh, B, C's and D. B or C, yeah, so, okay. So where do you, when you first got involved in this, like you, 
probably very happy with how Nightscope turned out. But um, are you surprised by what our mark the the crowdfunding market be, has become? Because last year I think what two hundred and fifty million was raised through just Reg CF alone, and that's just for average Joe's putting a hundred bucks basically, and that's very early stage. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. You are. You knew I, this I, I, I really strongly feel that uh, uh, we're only scratching the surface, the, sur the, su the surface to um, the potential, what can be realized, the amount of cash. I mean, still, I think it's a very, very tiny percentage of uh, oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, savings and people <laughs> participating. And the fact is, is that it's not getting much publicity. It, uh, on the front page of business sections of the New York Times or, or the Washington Post uh, or the, the Wall Street Journal doesn't pay that much attention to it. Um, but Financial Times does a little more, but not much, but it should because uh, crowdfunding is more advanced. Uh, in it's England. a big it's, deal in England, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know where, where the, the US crowdfunding is, it's very simple. Just look at England. Look, yeah. look across the pond. Yeah. As the Brits what, uh, uh, to, to yeah, yeah, the pond, yeah. Uh, what, um, are you worried about this? So last couple of episodes, we've been making a big deal about the increase for Reg CF for a company to raise the limit per raise round from uh, a million to five million because, I mean, there aren't too many startups that couldn't get going with $5 million. Like a startup would actually forego venture capital and go into these guys and sitting in boardrooms so they could get $5 million. However, since the last episode, uh, the newly inaugurated President Biden and his administration put a freeze on, on, I don't know to put it, but just basically everything that the Trump administration passed in the last 60 days of the administration, I guess. Um, you worried, like, do you think it'll actually still go through? I would say there's less than a 2% chance that it doesn't go through. I'm not okay. worried at all. I'm really not worried. I think this was not targeted at uh, these particular um, enabling uh, regulations. I think um, there's an overall um, necessity that the Biden administration uh, feels that they need to sort of uh, put under a microscope everything that has come out of the Trump White House, particularly in the last two months when they're trying to, you know, just frankly do a lot of stuff to, um, you know, uh, uh, make it a little more difficult for- They weren't allowed to look at anything. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. So, no, I'm not, uh, I, I'd be shocked if, if, if this doesn't uh, see the light of day uh, very shortly, you know, within the next few months, uh, I, I, I'd be, Surprised, you know, if, if anything, they may, if anything, I don't think this is gonna happen and I don't wanna raise expectations, but if, if they do delay it, it would be because they think they could do more. They should go further. There was talk of 10 million a while ago and the SEC wanted to be a little more conservative is what I kind of heard just from people I know. So no. I don't no. know, do you think that's a possibility? You said oh, crossing his fingers? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the two percent chance too. <laughs> no, from one mil to one mil, I think. Ten, yeah. yeah, I think they should. I think they should. But right, you know, the thing about the Biden administration as well is that it's gonna they're gonna be a, a little cautious, particularly coming out of the gate. You know, they want to sort of sniff the wind and and you know find out you know where where they are in the political spe spectrum, where they should settle in and and 
and where their sweet spot is to get a lot of things uh, done without pissing off people. And uh, so I think this is a, you know, win-win. Who are they going to piss off by, by, by raising it to- um, Did you, uh, yeah. you and Vin signed that letter by the crowdfunding association that's here in DC, right? The, right? the one endorsing the increase to 5 million. Yeah, they had great statistics in there. Like they had estimates for hundreds of thousands of jobs being created. Like it, it seemed legitimate. So, or it made the case that it was legitimate and can and should happen. So yeah. It's, I was very happy when I read that letter. It's, it's hugely legitimate. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, um, of investment going to startups organically like this, using the wisdom of the crowd to direct uh, capital to the most deserving <laughs> companies rather than having a government agency like the SBA choosing winners. And right. let's, let's face it, that's what they're doing right now. Right. No. They're just, you get the loan, you don't. And that's it. Right. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, so Andy, you get the last word. Um, if for all the listeners that are listening right now that has not made a startup investment, has not gotten in the equity crowdfunding space, they're kind of curious. Maybe they heard about a product that they like. Maybe they saw, you know, a robot, another robot company or um, how should they get started? They should, what would you say to, yeah. A, a newbie that wants to become involved. Yeah, um, very simple. Uh, there are plenty of legitimate um, portals that list the crowdfunding raises of companies. I, I would, um, you know, I would mention them on the air right now, but I'm afraid I'm, I'm gonna miss a, a couple of them, but uh, companies like um, uh, WeFunder and Republic and Seed Invest and Start Engine, um, you know, Equifund, there's, uh, you know, I, I don't wanna leave uh, any uh, out micro ventures and certainly in the um, uh, mix as well. They're all, they're all this great startup companies and they would be affordable to you with uh, minimal investments. You know, it can be as low as 25 or 50 bucks, but expect more like 100, 150 uh, bucks. This is definitely, uh, uh, you know, something that you should investigate. Um, not all of these companies will hit. In fact, the vast majority will not hit, but that's the nature of getting in the early stage investment uh, space. You don't need a whole lot of winners. You just actually need a couple because the ones that do hit, can hit for, you know- You're getting night scope returns, 30X. <laughs> right, that's right. And, um, you, you know, there's, there's quite a, there's, there's a, I can name a few companies that uh, we invested in or recommended, you know, less than a couple of years old. You know, uh, Monogram has, uh, uh, has given us a, a three and a half X gains, you know, monogram uh, makes- uh, Unrealized, just to be clear. Of, uh, yeah. Hip replacement, knee replacement. Uh, now our X is the next generation of uh, pharmacy delivery. They'll deliver your uh, drugs uh, for free the same day. Uh, they're great. They're up more than three X. Um, um, the portals themselves, Start engine, um, you know. They are public. I saw them on Yahoo Finance. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I'm, using, we I'm using public in, loosely here, but. Yeah, we invested in um, um, in Start Engine and uh, we made our members more than uh, about three and a half X for that. Uh, we invested in WeFunder um, at uh, 
15 mil. Now they're at 40 mil and they're going to, and that's, you know, they could easily be uh, 2X or 3X that valuation. They've really tamped down that valuation to make it uh, a, a better deal for their uh, crowd vending community. Uh, so we're at a three, uh, over a three X gains, uh, gain on WeFunders. There's so many companies, you know, you get these companies that after a couple of years, they show, uh, you know, three, four, five X, but you know, the, the big money will come in, in the period uh, of, five, of five to 10 years where they have a chance to grow. This is the thing, where's the, you have to be patient. This is not the land of immediate gratification, Sean. Right. But if you are patient and you're just making these little, um, you know, investments of a hundred to two hundred dollars, and you have to, you can't just pick one or two and just ride that. You have to put, you have to sort of put in ten to twelve. Hey, listen, I make two recommendations a month. If um, if anybody wants to follow, uh, you know, my service at, uh, uh, at First Stage Investor, part that's part of earlyinvesting.com, um, you, you know, uh, I Check do, him out. He'll, I he'll do all the heavy lifting, Sean. You know, I spend yeah. a, lot, a lot of time. You asked me before, how much time do you spend? Well, over, you know, uh, for the companies I'm really interested in, I spend hours and hours digging into the company and talking uh, to the founders and making I remember sure. that's when I first met yeah. you. You were interviewing yeah. two companies up in Boston. Like you yeah. went to Boston to meet these potential investors. Right. I was like, oh, wow, this guy's serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and that's, when, that's where you can really learn about a company is talking to the founders and uh, get, get insight. But also just, you know, looking at the sector and, and what the competitors are doing, where, what the uh, trends are and, and just making sure that there's a fit between the company and the product and the price and the trends and everything fits together. And um, it's, it's a very rare occurrence uh, when they do. I would say I recommend one out of um, anywhere from one out of every 50 to 100 companies I, I, look, out, uh, I look at. So uh, when all the pieces fit together, you know, you're ready, you're ready to uh, do some somersaults because it's a great feeling. And that's when I make awesome. the recommendation. Uh, well, Andy, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, I want to get you on the, uh, on the show again soon. That was really, really fun. We'll, yeah, I love we'll, hear, yeah. we'll hear more about the, the mementos you have on the wall back there. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll point uh, my laptop to, to another wall. We can have an entirely that would be cool. conversation about that. But you know, this has been a lot of fun talking to you, Sean. Thank you very much. Uh, and that is it for us, folks. If you'd like to learn more about King's Crowd rating analytics capabilities, please visit us at kingscrowd.com or email us at podcast at kingscrowd.com. And if you'd like to learn more about early investing's uh, offerings, please visit earlyinvesting.com. For Andy Gordon, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening.